Every Bibles, please turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Isaiah 9 will continue our study from Isaiah's book, prophetic book, and that wonderful song we just heard about the presence of God, desiring his presence for Christmas. You know, I was uh, privileged yesterday to be there when we had. Um, 76 families show up out of 92 that we we still feel like uh, in the coming days that more of those families will be able to come, we'll be able to serve them. They're a gift of love. But there were um, 237 children that were served. And I had the great privilege along with Cody Turner and Jake Murphy also helped us some too, trying to pray for every single family that came through. And um, there was one very memorable prayer time that I had with a grandmother who had her grandson. And um, we began to pray. And I would always ask, you know, what, what are some prayer needs that you have? And, and um, most of the time it was what you'd expect, you know, for peace, for strength, for, you know, financial help and, and all the things that we all deal with. And this time of year, especially the folks that were coming to, to be helped. But uh, this individual said, um, I want to be strengthened and have a foundation in Jesus Christ this new year. And I am a Christian, she said. And then we began to pray. And I believe her son was, our grandson was taken to the place where they shop for their parents. And um, she and I just began to pray. And it's one of those times of prayer where... Um, if you've been in a time of prayer like that, um, the person really is praying with you and, and they're, they're talking as you're praying. You could tell they're right there with you. But there is this um, wonderful Holy Spirit connection that I got to have. And I just realized that I never met this lady before, but uh, she was my sister in Christ. And the presence of the Holy Spirit just filled that space and it was as if I was carried away into the very presence of God in those brief moments. And it just reminded me that truly the greatest gift that's ever been given is Jesus. And he has given us, in his absence from the earth, his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have never come to us if Jesus hadn't come first and left the earth and then sent his Spirit. So what a great Christmas present that all of us need to have is, is the presence of God, God with us. And so last week I talked from Isaiah 9 how, how bad the nation of Israel really was. They were about to be destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. It was a time of darkness, the analogy of a flood sweeping in to swallow up the people of Israel. And in the midst of that we have this great promise given Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 really building on the promise that was given prophetically in Isaiah 7 14 when King Ahaz of Judah was given this promise therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and give birth and shall call his name 
Emmanuel, the son that shall give birth to, they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew saw that word from Isaiah and knew it was a direct prophetic word for the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But Emmanuel means God with us. So remember that promise that Christmas Jesus the Messiah is God with us. Look now at Isaiah chapter 9, 6 through 7. This is the promise that we're going to see given to us. I read it last week, but today I'm going to expound upon it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this this is the word of God Isaiah 9 6 through 7 don't want you to be afraid this morning when I tell you that I have seven points to this message usually it's two or three or four but today it's seven but I promise you it will be done in a timely hopefully well-delivered fashion first truth Jesus, the Messiah, is fully human and fully God. That comes from those first phrases. For to us a child is born. For to us a child is born. Jesus is going to be born as a human being. He was not conceived normally but by the Holy Spirit. But his supernatural conception does not change the fact that Jesus the Messiah was and is fully human. Just stop for a moment and think about how God could have chosen to send his son into the world to save us. He could have waited to send Jesus as an adult who would mysteriously show up in the land of Israel calling his disciples, getting baptized by John, defeating Satan in the wilderness temptation, then doing miracles and teaching, and then going to the cross and dying for our sins and rising from the dead. But that's not how God intended it to be because God is committed that everything that he does will be in accordance to his word and the word gave prophetic word on multiple occasions that Messiah would be born. Christmas is Jesus being born fully as a human being. But also to us, A son is given. Jesus is the son of God. God the son had existed from all eternity past. God the son was not born in the sense that somehow God the son began all of a sudden in the womb of Mary. No, a child was born. God the son took on human flesh. A child was born, but a son, the son, was given. And there's no greater gift That God might give to us, to the world, than the gift of His only Son. 
And as I prayed yesterday with dozens of families, I always tried thinking about the t-shirt I was wearing that said gift of love with a big present on it to say, God, we thank you that the greatest gift you gave us was your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What would this world be like without Jesus? Can you imagine? What would this world be like if Jesus had not come, a child had not been born, a son had not been given? Jesus is fully human and fully God. Number two, Jesus the Messiah will carry the government upon his shoulder. He will carry the government upon his shoulder. Verse 6 says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now we know from the Old Testament that when the priest would enter into the temple that they would have special garments and they would literally symbolically be carrying the people of Israel upon themselves. They had a breastplate. They had shoulder pieces. They had the different tribes of Israel there on them and they were there bearing upon themselves mediating for the people of God in prayer to God because priests were go-between. They went between the people and God. And they carried, literally, symbolically, upon their shoulders those ornaments, those jewels to represent that they were carrying the burden of the people of God. Here the Bible says the government, not a specific government of a particular nation, but the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government has the burden of the leadership of any nation. It's a heavy burden, a burden so heavy that our founding fathers said we want to have a division of power in government to share the power, to share the burden of leading this nation. But even then, the burden that the president of this country would carry, Abraham Lincoln said this during his presidency, which was marked by civil war. He said, and I quote, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. You see, the burden that Lincoln was carrying was too much for him to bear alone. The government was upon his shoulders and he felt it and it was too much for him. And he had to go to the Lord, obeying the scripture, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your cares upon the Lord. That's what he did. Just imagine. The burden. Yeah, you know, people sometimes say, I want to be the president of the United States. Why in the world would anyone want to carry that kind of burden on their shoulders? That's just our country. What about every government, every nation, every tribe, every person on this planet, the government of this world, yet that burden goes right on the shoulders of Jesus the Messiah. And he doesn't skip a beat. It doesn't slow him down. He takes 
the government on his shoulder. He will rule, he will reign, and that burden will never be too much for him. As the old song says, If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he will carry you. So maybe today you are carrying on your shoulders a burden a weight that seems impossible to carry. Know this, if Jesus can carry the government on his shoulders, he can carry whatever burdens you have. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Number three, Jesus the Messiah will be supernatural and have perfect wisdom. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is a compound name broken into four parts. The word wonderful there in the Hebrew almost always has this idea of supernatural. We see this exact same Hebrew word used in Judges chapter 13. I love the book of Judges. In Judges 13, we read about the birth of Samson. Probably the most famous of all the judges of Israel. Samson with that strength that came from his hair as it had grown from his birth. He had taken a Nazarite vow. He was not to drink any strong drink or touch anything unclean and never let a razor cut his hair. That was the instructions given to him by the angel of the Lord who comes to his mother. We're never told her name. We're told the husband's name, the father's name, Manoah. Yet Manoah's wife, an angel comes to her and says to Manoah's wife, you are barren with no children, but you will conceive and bear a son. And then the angel gives her instructions about that Nazarite vow that her son would abide by. Then the angel left her. And she goes and tells her husband Manoah about this supernatural encounter. She said, a man of God came to me. His appearance was like that of an angel of God. Very awesome. And Manoah then started praying, asking God to send that messenger back to them. He wanted to see this awesome person himself. And the angel returns and Manoah and his wife are trying to serve this special messenger from God. And, and they're going to prepare a meal for him and they even ask his name. Look at Judges thirteen eighteen, And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. Supernatural, this angel. And they're going to bring an offering to this angel. And fire's going to consume it upon the very rock. And then the angel disappears. And then Manoah and his wife realize we have seen the face of God. We have seen God, the angel of the Lord, is very much often in the Old Testament. God himself coming to his people. Supernatural. Jesus, by his very conception is supernatural. His life and ministry on earth were supernatural, wonderful in every way, healing miracles, casting out evil spirits, coming back from the dead. He is a supernatural Messiah and he has perfect wisdom. Now we all know what a counselor is. We should know because we all 
need counseling. Every one of us in this room, including me, need regular counseling because we're all a mess and we all have issues and problems and fears and stuff from the past and challenges. And I'm just telling you, if you ever get in the presence of a really wonderful, gifted counselor, he or she can change your life. They can say things and point out things and give guidance and direction that can change your very life. This is Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Isaiah chapter 11, I read from this a few weeks ago. Here is this idea coming from verse 1 and 2 of this shoot, this coming forth from the stump of Jesse. Look at verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This image of something coming forth from Jesse, who was the father of King David. Jesus Christ is going to be of the lineage of David and Jesse. He's talking here about the Messiah. Look at verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So he's moving past the analogy of plants or trees. He's not talking about a literal shoot or branch. That's an analogy for a person. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Him is the Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. If you ever need counsel, seek out godly, wise counsel, but make sure you go first to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, because he will guide you, he will speak to you, he will lead you and never lead you astray. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus in Colossians 2 verse 3. He says in verse 2, 3, chapter 2, 3, speaking of Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. The treasures of wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus. He is a treasure of wisdom and knowledge. You see, Jesus the Messiah is fully human. And fully God. Jesus the Messiah will carry the government upon his shoulder. Jesus the Messiah will have supernatural power and will have perfect wisdom. And then number four, Jesus the Messiah is, will be the Almighty God. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor mighty God. This very same title is used in the next chapter in Isaiah chapter 10. Look there. Isaiah chapter 10. He writes verse 21, a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the same phrase, the mighty God. This is the mighty God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, 6, he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, any Hebrew person who read that would understand that this Messiah is going to be the mighty God. 
Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, 17. This is a description about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we worship. For the Lord your God, this is Deuteronomy 10, 17, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. This is who Jesus is. He is El Shaddai. He is the almighty God. And this was a great stumbling block, and still is, for many Jewish people. Clearly, the Bible teaches that Messiah would be more than an ordinary man. However, when those religious leaders in Israel came in contact with Jesus, they could not seem to get past that he was just this man who came from quite questionable origins, who is now trying to teach them about God, and their pride blinded them from seeing. They're like, our father is Abraham. And Jesus says, you act just like your father, who is the devil. Now that's not going to score brownie points if you want to get on the good side of the most powerful people in Israel. But Jesus went right at them. Look in the Gospels. If somebody was prideful, haughty, religious, thought they were right, Jesus always went right at them. But if someone was broken and hurting and needing grace... We see the tender mercies of the mighty God. This is our Jesus. He is the almighty God. And it's still a stumbling block for people. They may admit, oh sure, there was a Jesus that lived on the earth, but he's not the almighty God. And oh, he is the almighty God. That is the centerpiece of what we believe as Christians. Number four. Jesus, the Messiah, will last forever and share every attribute of the Father. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everlasting means what it sounds like it means. It means everlasting, eternal. Jesus, the Messiah, will last forever. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Just a few verses before that great promise in 31, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Look at verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is that wonderful counselor, everlasting God. We talk about Christmas this time of year. I mentioned one of my favorite Christmas cartoons weeks ago, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Another one of those favorite cartoons of mine this time of year is Frosty the Snowman. And as a child, I'm going to give away a spoiler if you've not watched Frosty the Snowman before. So I want to apologize in advance to you parents who've not let your kids watch Frosty the Snowman. But I'm telling you, as a kid... I always enjoyed watching Frosty come to life and play with the kids. And he, he goes with them on a journey. And, but man, when Frosty gets stuck, when he gets trapped in that hot greenhouse and he melts, oh man, tearjerker every time as a kid. Why do my parents force me to watch that over and over again? It scarred me. I need a counselor to help me from that. No, but, but Frosty didn't last. Because snowmen don't last. 
And we're used to people and things not lasting. People we know and love, their bodies and our bodies will eventually wear out and stop working. The finest machines will come to an end. Sports dynasties, incredible musical talents, a beautiful home, even a nation. Nothing on earth will last except for the Word of God. And Jesus the Messiah, who is the everlasting Father. This wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Messiah, will also share in every attribute of his Father. Now, in the Old Testament, we do not see a lot of references to God as Father. We find many, many in the New Testament. But even in Isaiah, later in the book, we see two verses, Isaiah 63 and then Isaiah 64. Look there. In Isaiah 63, verse 16, Isaiah says, speaking of God, for you are our Father. It was not impossible for an Old Testament person to understand that God was their Father. Isaiah said this, for you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from of old is your name. Then one chapter over, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. Jesus, how does he understand his relationship as God the Son, a child born, a son given to us, how does he understand his relationship with the Father? He clearly prays, our Father. He speaks often of his Father in the Gospels. But look at John 10, 30. He reveals that he has perfect unity with his Father. He says in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. In John 12, 45, he says, And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And then just a couple of verses after, he says, I am the way and the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. In John 14, 9, he says to Philip, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And if there was a stumbling block for the Jewish people, it was this. That Messiah really could be the almighty God, the everlasting Father. And the moment that Jesus began to reveal more and more in his ministry that he was the Son of God, that he truly was God Almighty, that was his death sentence to the people of Israel. He is the everlasting God, almighty, sharing in every attribute with the Father. Number six, Jesus the Messiah will bring peace because he is the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, what comfort this had to bring to these Israelites who've just read that the Assyrians are coming to sweep over them like a flood. That deep darkness would come, but light was coming and peace was coming to them. Prince here means an administrator, one who oversees, one who brings about. Jesus is the one who oversees peace and the one who brings peace. We find in the New Testament 
that it builds upon this by declaring that Jesus brings us peace with God. Because what we find in the Bible is that first, peace must be established with God before it's established with others. And that peace with God will lead to peace being established with others. Others. Romans 5 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith in Jesus that we are made right, we are justified, and that we have peace because the Bible teaches that we are actually at war against God. That's not very popular to say. Does God not love us? Yes, of course, He loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But the Bible says that we've all sinned against him. That we are at enmity with God. That we're at war with God. That our own ways, that all of us like sheep have gone astray. And that we're at war with God. By our sinful choices, by our sinful nature. But Jesus has brought us peace. He has made us right with God if we place our faith in him. Colossians 1, 19. Look there, verse 20. Paul says we're justified by faith. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Verse 19, he says, for in him, him there is Jesus. He's saying, for in Jesus All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's the Almighty God. He is the Everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. All that God the Father is, is all that God the Son is. Perfect unity right there. Look at verse 20. This is how he brings peace. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Christmas, we celebrate the baby. Gentle Mary, holding sweet Jesus there at that manger. Wise men coming a few months later, laying down their gifts, bringing their worship to this king. But even in that story of Christmas, there is bloodshed with the slaughter of the innocents as Herod tries to wipe out an opposing king to his reign there in Israel. And Jesus Christ was the only person born expressly for the primary purpose that he would die. And it's through the blood of his cross that you and I can be reconciled to God. That is the gospel. And there is nothing greater in this world than Jesus Christ on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Saying, it is finished, paid in full. Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. And there on the cross, Jesus brings us peace with God if we will by faith believe that he did. Do that for us. We begin to follow him. And trust Him. The Bible says we're to repent. We're to turn away from our sins. Change our view. And say, God, I need you to save me. I am broken. I need a counselor. Lord Jesus, I need you. I trust you. I put my hope in you. And peace, unspeakable peace, will flood your soul. Peace will live inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus brings peace with God and Jesus is the only one who will bring peace between humanity. I'm all for doing all that we can to live peacefully and make peace with others. But make no mistake, there's only one who can make peace among a broken and dysfunctional world where ethnic cleansing takes place, where 30 followers of Jesus in Congo are slaughtered just last week by radical Islamic terrorists, culture wars, division, racism, all the evil things of this world. Only Jesus will bring perfect peace. And yet, yes, let us work for peace, but let us know that we are powerless unless Jesus works in and through us. Last point, last scripture. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So we've moved from this powerful name of God now to the kingdom of God, the reign of God. He says, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Lastly, the reign of Jesus the Messiah will have no limits and will be without any end. I've preached now for five and a half years to you as your pastor. And, and I've got some friends here from Wadawi sitting there back there with Jennifer and my, my family. And they would know I, I don't really get into politics when I preach because I just, I'll leave that to the social commentators and to the news stations. And we can all come to our own conclusions about our political views because we all have them. But here the Bible will not let me escape the very political aspects of Jesus the King. And his kingdom is going to be far above any kingdoms that we've established. And we're real good at establishing our little kingdoms on earth. Our little focus groups, our little bubbles, you know, conservatives, liberals, Republicans, Democrats, independents. We have our little groups, our little kingdoms. Yet here, Jesus says, I'm bringing government and peace that goes far beyond. There's politics here that rises above the nonsense that we call politics in our world. There is a king. And Jesus Christ came the first time to save us from our sins. But know this, he's coming again to establish a kingdom and his sovereignty, his reign, his righteousness, his goodness will stretch to the very ends of the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be no injustice, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Every wrong thing will be made right, every injustice will be made just. We can know that the righteous Jesus Christ is coming again to reign. This is the Bible's teaching. This is our hope. No matter how dark this world is, there is a king and he is coming and he will establish and there'll be no part of this planet that is not away from his sovereignty. Nobody can resist when he comes again. He will reign as king of kings and lord of lords. And how do we know this is going to happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And yes, it will be 
war. It will be the Lord of heaven's armies coming again. Read the book of Revelation. It's uncomfortable, but it's the word of God. He is coming again to reign as king. Let us bow before this Jesus, our Messiah. There is no other response than we come and bow before him. He is the king. Lord, we pray right now that we would just be in awe of Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, what would this world be without you? God, so many things have been done in your name that are not from you. God, crusades, inquisition, so many things have taken place. Even in this own, our own country. People turning a deaf ear and a blind eye to lynching and injustices and all the things have taken place. Our very own Southern Baptist Convention splitting from the Northern Baptist over the subject of slavery. God, our past is not some perfect, spotless past. Jesus, we're messed up. But Jesus, you are changing us. You're reforming us and you're bringing about your kingdom and it is coming and it's already here. And we get to be ambassadors of you in this world. Lord Jesus, nothing will stand against your kingdom. Let us be those ambassadors. And the world will know we are Christians. Not because we know how to win every argument. But they'll know that we're truly followers of Jesus. By our love. They will see us love. But no one else loves them. They will see us pray for them and not give up when everyone else has given up on them. Lord, I pray that we would be so full of your love, so full of Jesus, so full of the Holy Spirit, that your kingdom would come on earth, that we would usher in the coming reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you're coming again. Oh, we bow before you. You are king. You are Messiah. You have a plan. And you love this world Lord, let us find ourselves in that plan, doing what you've called us all to do, making disciples of every nation until you come again. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing about a name that is above every name, a strong tower, a shelter like no other. Maybe you're burdened this morning by our world as dark as it is, by the injustices, hopelessness by this virus that's just changed everything and separated us in such a it's so depressing to know that we've got men and women in our church that are stuck in nursing homes and we can't go in and see them there's just so much hurt right now I pray you come this morning this altar is wide open you come let's pray and ask God to heal our land ask God to touch our families we come now in the name of Jesus Christ to worship him I'll be here to receive any decisions. We take in new members. We take in folks who say, I want to be a part of this church. We take in folks who want to say yes to baptism. We'll take anybody who comes by faith and say, Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you, Jesus. This altar is open. We're here to receive you. Let's worship God now. Sing with all of our hearts. Not empty words, but true words of worship and praise from the bottom of our hearts because Jesus is the Messiah, worthy of our praise.